Hi, I'm Carol Pope, and you're listening to The Stewie Tunes Show with Tony Stewart and Aaron Badgley. Since its debut in 1975, music has always been an important part of Saturday Night Live. During the show's long run, there have been some great musical performances and others that have failed spectacularly. We'll be talking about both of those today. So without further ado, here are some of SNL's musical triumphs and train wrecks. Welcome to the Stewie Tune Show. These are insights and commentary on the music and musicians that shape our lives. And now, let's go back to class with your hosts, Tony Stewart and Aaron Badgley. Good evening, Mr. Badgley. How are things in Toronto? Well, things here are pretty uh, pretty hectic, but not bad. We got a bit of snow today, which means people panic, but it's okay. How about you? How are you? Oh, things are good. And, you know, we're used to snow in Ottawa here, so uh, it's not like Toronto where they call in the military and <laughs> you get a bit of... <laughs> <laughs> we're, you know, we're never, ever going to live that down, right? You know that. I, I'm fully aware. Boy, that was... Uh... That, uh, yeah, the whole country enjoyed a laugh at Toronto's expense, I think, when that happened. Have you ever seen the uh, This Hour Has 22 Minutes, Rick Mercer, Snow in Toronto? No. <laughs> you you really should look that up. You'll have a good giggle, I promise you that. Now, was that was that Mel Lastman who did that? Was he the mayor then? I'm trying to he remember was, back. He was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, the, original, the original bad boy. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. anyway let's move on um so tonight we're talking about saturday night live because saturday night live has had some incredible musical performances over the years and when it first premiered on october the 11th 1975 billy preston was the first musical guest which i thought was very very cool so there's a an early Beatles preview. Of course, uh, you've got one later on, a little Beatles tie-in, but I thought we'd uh, start right away with a Beatles tie-in here. <laughs> but I, I noticed that there was two musical guests. That, did you notice that? There was Billy Preston and Janice Ian. And Janice Ian. That, that was odd. That's a really bizarre combination. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's odd for sure. And do you know who was the second guest the, the following week? Oh, gee. No. It was I Paul f- Simon. Oh, and supposedly, I, I haven't seen that episode, but uh, from what I was reading, it was more of a, almost like a variety show uh, episode, as opposed to what we consider Saturday Night Live to be now. Which is more skit comedy and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'd like to go back and check that out. He was on that show a fair, a fair amount of times, because we're going to talk about him with Harrison later on, but he's, he was on there a few times. Yeah. So we're going to be uh, doing our first two segments um, Aaron and I each picked um, some notable Saturday Night Live musical performances, notable for a variety of reasons. That's going to be our first two segments. And then on our third segment, we're doing a segment called Triumphs and Trainwrecks. And uh, we're going to be looking at a couple of disastrous uh, Saturday Night Live performance, uh, in, in two cases, basically career-ending. And, uh, and then some absolutely triumphant ones as well. So uh, let's get started. And Aaron, I'm going to let you uh, go first. Well, I, I really want to talk about, about someone who you would think would have been on the show more than he was. Uh, that's Prince. And, and um, Prince was on the show a few times. And who can forget Billy Crystal's incredible impersonation of him. But um, I'm going to look at the 2006 
time that he was on, February 4th, 2006. And he um, he had a new album out at the time called 3121. Mm-hmm. And uh, he did a couple of songs from that album. And what, what made that kind of cool was that he could have very easily just gone on and done Purple Rain or any number of things. But he did songs just off the new album. And quite frankly, if you compare the, the album version to the live version, the live version just was incredible, especially with a song called Fury, which I think summed up Prince at the time. But uh, it was yeah. a very... <laughs> Well, he was just getting rid of his contract with Warner Brothers, and there was he had gone back to the Prince name. That was that was pretty cool too that he was now Prince again. Mm-hmm. And he did songs off Thirty One Twenty One, and it was it was um, it was pretty cool. the The other show that he did was an eight was an eighty one, and he did a song called Party Up that kind of ended the show, which was kind of a cool cool moment. But Prince, uh, I, I he he made my top ten. It was a it was a toss up, Tony. It was Prince of the band. So, oh yeah, either one would be great. Yeah. So there's that's that's my first pick was that, uh, and he was. Have you, did you ever see Prince live? Uh, on Saturday Night Live? Or just in concert. Oh, I've only I've never. I mean, obviously, I've never been to a Prince concert, but I've seen uh, clips of live performances. But pretty spectacular. Yeah, I saw him in in Toronto, and and uh, man, that guy. And it was long. Let me tell you. <laughs> but. Uh, so that's my first pick. How about you? What are you going to bring up? Well, uh, one thing, you know, we're going to be jumping all over the place in terms of dates here. But Always, I picked a, yeah. Yeah, I picked up one that I thought was noticeable, and it's recent. It's from 2018. Uh, it was Childish Gambino, otherwise known as uh, Donald Glover, who's an American rapper, and he did This Is America. And um, that song obviously is... Uh, critiquing a bunch of things it's talking about the black experience in america it's talking about gun culture and gun violence and it's talking about police brutality but the other interesting thing about that song is that the music video was uh, synced so that it released at the exact same time as his live performance on saturday night live and um if you watch both performances, he's wearing the same outfit on Saturday Night Live that he's wearing in the video, which is, you know, those gray pants and no shirt. And uh, that is a powerful, powerful song and uh, a very disturbing music video. Have you seen the video for that? One of the, yeah, it, it, it's a remarkable work of art, as long as yes. just a work of art. Yeah, uh, it's violent uh, and disturbing, but... Uh, you know, it tells a truth about the black experience in America. And it is, it is truly a work of art. And uh, for me, that was one of my picks just because of the significance of, uh, of that song. And, uh, and also the fact that he released the music video at the same time, which I thought was very, very cool. And, and along with Prince, the man performed live. Yes. Yes. That's a, that's the, that, that can't be an easy song to do live. No, I can't imagine. And uh, yeah, it's it's a it's an incredible song. Like you say, it's a work of art for sure. All right, so who do you uh, have next? Well, I have the Talking Heads or Talking Heads. The name of the band is Talking Heads, as David Byrne would say at the beginning of his concerts. And believe it or not, they didn't do Saturday Night Live very much. In fact, 1979 was the really only appearance and David Byrne didn't go back on the show until 2020. Wow. 31 years. Um, and they did a, a couple of songs, but what was remarkable, and I think what kind of broke them in, in um, 
I don't want to say broke them into America, but it was their version of Take Me to the River. You know, uh, I mean, they recorded it. It's on the album. But when they did that on Saturday, and this was before David, he wasn't wearing the big suit. You remember that? It stopped making mm-hmm. sense when the, the suit kept getting bigger. <laughs> uh, but uh, very watchable. But what, what I thought was interesting about Saturday Night Live, and I don't, I, I'm going to sound like an old timer here, and I apologize in advance, young people. But they seemed to take more chances back in the 70s and 80s. With their, they sure their, did. Right? Yeah. Are, are you with me? Yep. And I think obviously that might be a reaction to, you know, uh, cultural forces right now and, and cancel culture and, and everything else. But they certainly did. Took a, they took a lot more chances back then. Right. And and they're, and, and they're live. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, with some of the acts we're going to talk about, things could have gone horribly, horribly, horribly wrong. But they had faith in the artists. And, and as I say, the, 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 you know, the proof is in the pudding. Right. And Talking Heads... And I'm just reading a book by the drummer of the Talking Heads, um, of Talking Heads, and uh, they weren't exactly mainstream America. They were still no. they were still on the outs. They were not. They were like Devo and B-52s and all that kind of stuff. So for them to go on Saturday Night Live, which was National Exposure, and then they did a cover of an Al Green song. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, which was pretty. And Cecily Tyson was the host that week. That week. So it was, oh, really? It, yeah, it was just a really cool. I think them paying their dues and paying tribute and paying uh, respect. But uh, yeah, that's my, my, my second pick. I think he was, a, it was a, if you can find it folks on YouTube, it's well worth watching. Yeah. These, all these clips are fantastic to watch. So my second pick is from 1994 and it's uh, Tom Petty and the heartbreakers. But the reason I picked it and they're singing, uh, you don't know how it feels I picked it because Tom Petty had just fired his drummer and hired an up-and-coming drummer named Dave Grohl. So Dave Grohl was playing drums for that set before he became, you know, the Dave Grohl that we all know and love now and uh, really brought a new uh, edge to that song, you know, because Dave's back there bashing away on the drums. And uh, it's interesting to watch when you watch the clip because the way he had his drum set set up, his cymbals are so high and he'd have to reach, you know, to, to be able to play them. Like I'm, I'm miming it to Aaron here on the video, but like I'm almost <laughs> reaching my, my hands over my head, you know, but, uh, that was a, a pretty common thing actually in the nineties. And, um, so for me, that performance was my second choice. Just, just the fact that Tom Petty had hired, uh, you know, a young guy named, uh, Dave Grohl, who was on his way up. Now here's some trivia. Did you know that David Grohl holds the record for being on Saturday night live the most? I didn't. How many a, times? Do you know? he, he was on since 1992. He's been on the performing like as a, as a member of a band 13 times. Oh my goodness. And that's like the Nirvana, Tom Petty, um, Foo Fighters, Paul McCartney. He's been on 13 times. Oh, that's incredible. I'm not surprised by that because that guy pops up everywhere. <laughs> Every, <you know. laughs> he really, he really does. It's kind of like, where's Dave Grohl? <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's amazing how how uh you know where you run into that guy in performances it's un it's unbelievable so who's your let's do our third picks and then we'll take a break okay so uh this one is near and dear to my heart and it could have very easily been my number one but I, i'm putting her back a wee bit kate bush it's her only american tv appearance believe it or not 
It's one of her few live appearances on TV, period. I mean, she only toured, um, she did one tour of England, and then she did a series of shows at the, uh, what's it called, the O2? Um, so she she was on the show, and she did two songs. She did The Man with the Child in His Eyes and uh, Them Heavy People, and she had two male dancers. She performed live. Um, and what, what makes us, this is 1978 too, by the way. This is not in the 80s or, this is when she was just starting out. Very young, very Kate. Um, and I'm I deeply in love with Kate Bush, have always been, always will be. And she was remarkable. She put on a great show. Her voice was in top form. But the fact that this is her only North American or American, I mean, can you imagine, Tony, if you've never done American TV and you're going on a live show? Yes. Millions of people watching because it was very big in 78. And she just pulled it off. Don't know how it she did. So, yeah, and especially Kate Bush of all people, right? Because you know, you just never know what what she's going to do. She's so uh, out there; it's great. Oh, she said. I mean, you, you can you can Google some of her. She actually had a a, a Christmas show back in the eighties, Kate Bush Christmas show with ABBA. Oh, ABBA was on it, um, and it was uh, it's a great show. Oh no, wait, hang on, I tell a lie. She was on the ABBA Christmas show. That's what it was. She was on the ABBA Christmas show. She did. December will be magic again and things like that. But um, she's just, she's a, she's a fun artist to kind of follow, you know, because mm-hmm. one never knows what Kate's going to do next. <laughs> <laughs> so my third pick, uh, so I'll give this third pick and then we'll go to break is uh, queen performing under pressure on Saturday night live in 1982. And uh, according to the stories afterward, and, and I was listening to this one a few times and I, and I kind of could tell, uh, after I really listened to it, but Freddie Mercury supposedly had a really, really sore throat and could, uh, felt like he could barely sing, but you know, Freddie Mercury on a bad day is better than most of us on our best day of our lives. Right. And, and he was still fantastic that night, but he had a really, really sore throat. And, uh, as I was listening to it a few times, I could kind of hear it, but, uh, you know, still an amazing performance, but the significance of that night in 1982 actually was that, that was, uh, did you know that was Queen's last performance in the USA? No, I didn't. I, I was going to ask you, who did the David Bowie part? Uh, well, F- Freddie sang the whole thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that was her last? That was her last performance in the US. Like even concerts and everything? I, maybe television. I'm not, I'll have oh. to look that up. No, I'm I don't not know. Sure. It's just, but, it's interesting. No, it's yeah. So there's a, there's some pretty big significance there. Yeah. So this looks like a great time to take a break. We're going to go to our music history moment, and we'll be right back. Today we're going back in the time machine to November 21st, 1955. On that day, RCA Records purchased Elvis Presley's contract from record producer Sam Phillips at Sun Studios for an unheard of $35,000. Although it seemed like a great deal at the time, Phillips later came to regret the decision, realizing that he had undervalued Elvis. He wanted to be sure that he didn't make the same mistake again when he signed his next big act, the killer himself, Jerry Lee Lewis. And now, let's get back to the show. And we're back, and uh, before we get to the next segment, uh, Aaron, you know, I, I, you know this because I posted it today, but actually I was kind of excited because... Uh, 
Rick and I, uh, we play in the Somerset combo. We're a jazz duo, but, uh, you know, we got a call, uh, to come back to one of the jazz clubs in Ottawa, uh, today, which is really exciting because I mean, the jazz scene pretty much died, uh, here in Ottawa with uh, COVID, but, uh, really encouraging that they're starting to get us back, you know, and the, and they've got all kinds of protections in place. So I'm looking forward to that. That'll be uh, great to go back and play next Saturday. And you never know, Tony, I might just hop in the car and come up and see you guys. It's, it's, uh, it's very tempting for me. I'd love to come up and see you perform and meet oh. you in person too. Yeah, that would be fun to meet you in person. <laughs> and, and I can uh, tell you folks, full disclosure, you know, it, there's a, it's very different when you're gigging all the time. Uh, you're in a certain kind of sh- playing shape, you know, and, and, uh, since the quarantine happened, I do try to practice every day. Um, but you're certainly not in any kind of gigging shape. So I've got about a week and a half to get myself into gig shape, which is just fine. That'll be no problem. And, uh, but it, you know, it's just, just an awesome problem to have that, uh, I've got to really practice, you know, for the next week and a half, just to get the chops up enough to play for three hours at the club. It'll be fun. I was just going to ask how long your set would be. It's three hours, eh? Yeah. Th- typically like jazz gigs are, they're pretty civilized three hours. Yeah. That's very long, Tony. I don't know about civilized, but that's <laughs> well. You get a couple of breaks in there, right? So, <laughs> so uh, you had one featuring David Bowie to kick off this segment. I'm curious to hear about that one. Actually, I watched that one, and it was. What, what, did, uh, you, what did you think when you saw it? Uh, I thought it was really interesting, and I think <laughs> I thought it was a perfect choice to mention on uh, on the show. Actually. Well, but I'll, was, I'll let you uh, describe it. Well, it was it, it was uh, December fifteenth, nineteen seventy nine. So, if I'm not mistaken, it was the last show of the decade for Saturday Night Live. And uh, look, at full disclosure, I'm a big Bowie fan. I, I mean, I know that uh, you've had a guest on before from Church of Trees, Bernard Fraser. He, yep. We we when we talk about Church of Trees, we end up talking about Bowie for half an hour, which is fine by me because I could talk about Bowie all night. But um, he came on with a guy named Klaus Nomi and a person named Joey Arias. Now, what was interesting was they, they actually, uh, how do I describe this, Tony? They kind of carried him out to the microphone because he was in kind of a costume that didn't really allow for a lot of movement. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only way I can describe it, folks. Yeah, you got to check it out, folks. You have it's, to check it out. It's something else. And he did TVC15, which is... Uh, an interesting song to do because it's about a person who loves TV so much that he crawls into his television set and that's where he ends up living. Um, and he did the man who sold the world, which, uh, can I just digress for a second? Yeah, sure. So growing up, uh, I had a, a, an Irish mother and she used to say this little poem to me. I met a man upon, no, I met a man upon the stairs. Now you see, I've forgotten it. Uh, but it was a, the man on the stairs who wasn't there. He wasn't there again today. Oh, how I wish he'd go away. And that's what the man the, who sold the world is based on. Oh. As I was walking up the stairs, I met a man who wasn't there. He wasn't there again today. How I wish he'd go away. So Bowie was, I guess, brought up on the same poem. So he wrote the man who saved the world or the man who sold the world based on that little poem. Uh, it's a frightening poem when you're five years old, let me tell you. And, uh, yeah, and he did the uh, boys keep swinging, and each performance had different costumes and uh, different positioning. It was it's 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 theater. It's uh, it's it's bizarre to watch, and uh, Bowie was Bowie. It's brilliant. So, oh yeah, and that's that's the thing, right? Bowie was a consummate entertainer for sure. 
So I've got one. This is back in 1977, a uh, famous, famous one, um, Elvis Costello. And have you seen this one? Oh, several times. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so Elvis uh, got in a bit of hot water for this one. Uh, his label wanted him to do a song called Less Than Zero, but Elvis wanted to do uh, Radio Radio. But Radio Radio was considered a controversial song because it was critical of uh, media. So his label put a ton of pressure on him to do uh, less than zero. And so the band starts the song and they get about 10 seconds in on live TV and Elvis stops them. You know, he waves his arms and stops them. And he says, you know, uh, there's no need to do this song here. And he launches the band into radio, radio, and there's absolutely nothing that they could do about it. So they played radio, radio, and uh, it was a famous, famous incident because he took a big chance doing that for sure, but uh, he didn't want, did not want to be dictated to that. He couldn't do uh, that song. So now fa- well, fascinating and, performance. Well, and he was, he was banned from Saturday night live till 89. Yes. But uh, you know, incredible that uh, he it, right on live TV and folks again, uh, go back and watch these things because it's, it's astonishing. He just stops the band and, and says, and- we're doing this. And when you when you do live TV, everyone, you know you you practice, and and part of the practice is where the cameras are going to be, mm-hmm. what the close ups are going to be of. I mean, they do a run through, so the cameras can get everything set up. So by doing that, he just threw everyone into a tizzy, right? Yes. Um, did you know that I've been to uh, that studio where they film Saturday Night Live? No. Yeah, That's I've been there, and very uh, cool, man. Yeah. So I was there. Um, it was a week when Scarlett Johansson uh, was the host, but we didn't see her, but we did see all kinds of people milling around. And my takeaway is how small that studio is. It's tiny. Is it really? It's really, really small. You know, you get the impression on TV that it's huge, but it's tiny. I mean, if they can fit 200 in there, I would be shocked. Like very, very small. It's not small, right? Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Where, how was the stage set up? Is it kind of like theater in the round or... Uh, no, it was stage was facing one way. Okay. And, and the seats are, uh, on an angle looking down. I mean, we just walked by and, uh, we weren't allowed to go in because the crew, like there's a big window, right. That you can walk by and look right down, you know, and of course we were kind of hoping to get a glimpse of Scarlet, but, uh, didn't happen, but, uh, very, very neat. And, but yeah, blew me away how small that, that studio is. That's amazing. I didn't know. Uh, I thought it'd be bigger. Yeah. And you know, a lot of those studios are like, we also went to uh, Conan O'Brien's studio on that tour and okay, uh, right, right, same, right. same thing. Very, very small, huh. like much smaller than they look on TV. So the magic of uh camera work and angles and, and uh, deceptive, eh? Well, it's exactly, but uh, yeah. So radio, radio though, that was my pick. So what is your next pick? Oh, this is a Beatles one. I see. Well, that. you know, and it's not, it's, we're not doing the six degrees of Beatles just yet. But it's tied into that. So let me explain. Uh, George Harrison was, uh, Paul Simon was the, the, the host, actually. It's uh, Thanksgiving 1976. George Harrison has a brand new album out called 33 and a Third. And actually, he's promoting it. He's going on TV shows and promoting it. He brought two uh, promo films to show. Now, that back then they called them promo films. Now you call them music videos. He showed uh, Cracker Box Palace and this song. But he also performed live with Paul Simon. And they just got the two acoustic guitars out. 
they sat on the stage, they did mm. Here Comes the Sun, and then Homeward Bound, the Simon and Garfunkel song. And they each traded off vocals, and they harmonized, yeah. and I, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. But uh, yeah. It's it's a it's a beautiful 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 performance and I strongly encourage people to kind of look that one up because it was I, I hate using the word iconic but it was a moment that was I mean I remember staying up and watching it and uh, it's it's beyond words and the two of them together and and all I kept thinking was as I watched it again man I wish they'd put an album together <laughs> yeah exactly exactly have you seen it uh, yeah and I know exactly what you mean that is a goosebump moment performance oh it's just incredible but but one of the jokes about the show was that at that time there was a guy named sid bernstein who was offering the beatles 50 million dollars to regroup to to reunite 76 so lauren michaels the guy who produces saturday night live he he offered the beatles 3200 dollars to come on saturday night live and perform so if you watch that episode of saturday night live at the very very beginning George Harrison is seen talking to Lauren Michaels, and he says, I thought it was 3200 per person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. It's very funny. And, uh, and, I love George Harrison. Like, oh, yeah. That's, that's, and that's a, I mean, he never did another live show um, like that again, but for a while since until Cloud Nine. But boy, the him and Paul Simon together, just magic. And my last one is another iconic one. Uh, in 1992, Nirvana was on the show. Do you know the story behind this appearance? I really don't. So okay. I'm, 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 I'm actually looking forward to hearing it. Okay. So they did Smells Like Teen Spirit. And, and you know, of course, it went over incredibly well. But uh, at the end of the performance, in typical Nirvana style, they started trashing the, the set up there. Oh. Yes. And... Um, Saturday Night Live knew this about them. So they had gone and they, before the show, I guess, you know, in the afternoon or whatever, had taken all the expensive equipment off and replaced it with cheaper stuff because they knew it was going to get trashed. Are you serious? Really? Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. So, yeah. So they, they took it off and I put cheaper stuff on there knowing <laughs> that this is just going to be done. And, you know, folks, when you look at, uh, we looked at a ton of clips uh, getting ready for this show. I mean, some of the ones, Aaron, from the punk era were unbelievable. Oh, unbelievable. Well, that's just, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, yeah. And, and, and that, Live like, TV. Like, did you ever see Devo? When they did, I mean, they, they I mean, it, it upset the apple cart when they did Satisfaction. But as here's the thing about Saturday Night Live, right? It it broke people. So like Nirvana, I think that was like their major point where that tipped them over the edge to become. Yes. Like Didn't it? Right. Yes. So Devo, there's a, there's an interview with Devo. They said, we were selling 300 albums a month. After Saturday Night Live, we were selling 3,200 albums, mm -hmm. 3,200 albums a month. That's the power of Saturday Night Live. It, it, it literally broke a lot of artists. They didn't just go for the famous artists. They went for, yeah, they still do, I think to a, to a small degree, but not as much. No, but uh, it was tough, you know, narr uh, narrowing this down to five each because there are so many. Boy, well, the the band, the band's performance was was just before they did the last waltz, actually, mm -hmm. and they uh, they did um, you know so many. They did five songs. Normally, you do two. They did five. They did yeah. King Harvest, which is a great band song. So yeah. 
Well, you know, this looks like a great spot to take our second break. And when we come back after break, we are going to uh, do a segment called Triumphs or Trainwrecks. And uh, I love the alliteration, folks. So I do too. I, I, it's one of my favorite things, Tony. So I'm in, I'm in the boat with you. So we are going to talk about, uh, we'll do the train wrecks first because they're, they're kind of the funnest to talk about, even though, you know, they are at somebody's expense, but <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, it's over with. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. And, um, and then the triumphs and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about, I think both of us agreed this was our favorite triumph, but we'll save it for after the break. So we'll be right back. Well, we've got a few notable birthdays on November 21st. First off, in 1948, American singer-songwriter Lonnie Jordan was born. He was a member of the American funk band War. Next up, in 1965, we saw the arrival of Icelandic singer, songwriter, actress, record producer and DJ Björk Gudmundsdottir, who went by her stage name of Björk. And finally, we've got a little Canadian content as singer Carly Rae Jepsen was born in 1985. And we're back, and in this segment, we are going to talk about uh, triumphs and train wrecks, but we're going to talk about the train wrecks first, because uh, Saturday Night Live is live TV, and there have been some uh, ignominious moments on there, and uh, we'll talk about two of them, and then we'll give an honorable mention for a third one. I'm laughing because I know what the honorable mention is, everybody. That's why I'm (laughs) laughing. I'm sorry. (laughs) So uh, the first one we actually mentioned last week in our lip sync episode, but uh, Ashley Simpson's uh, performance in 2004. And um, that one was something else because uh, have you watched the, uh, that one, Aaron? Oh, uh, you know, I gotta be honest with you, Tony. I've watched it several times. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm not one to delight in someone's uh, mishap, but I was a train wreck. There's, there's yeah, that was absolute train wreck. Yep. And for anybody who's listening, the, um, you know, it starts and the track is going and she's not singing with it. And then she's standing there, uh, puzzled and the band is gamely trying to keep going. And then she starts into this weird little Dancing. jig. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> and then it kind of basically jigs off the stage. I mean, that's the only yeah, way. Yeah. She can, left the stage. Yeah. And, and then, I think, and then threw the band under the under the uh, bus, didn't they? Didn't she? Yes, yes, she did. And uh, yeah, so I, you know what? I don't mind making fun of that performance because the, the way that she threw her band, like she blamed it on the band at first, and uh, which was uh, pretty awful, in my opinion. Anyway, I, I, I'm with you 100, 100. Thing and, is, uh, yeah, go oh, ahead. go ahead. No, no, go no. Ahead. No, no, no. Oh, I was going to say now she has owned that actually, though. From I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah, she uh, she now says, you know, that that was totally me. But she still tried to say that um, that she was having vocal problems that day. And I'm not sure if that's the truth or not. But uh, regardless, she was trying to lip sync on live TV and got caught. Now, she wasn't the only one that lip synced on Saturday Night Live, though. No. Who are the others? ABBA. Okay. Uh, that's not a surprise. <laughs> Explain, Tony. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, all their performances, like half the time they don't even have microphones, right? Exactly. So. <laughs> and Taylor Swift. Oh, Taylor Swift lip sync? Lip synced on there? She did. And she got caught too. Oh. 
Yeah, she was just a beat off, you know. But yeah, she did. She throat problems, you know. Did did she own it or did she? She did. Try- no, she owned it. She owned it. She did. Oh, yep. wow! I didn't know about that one. Now we are about to talk about the mother of all <laughs> train wrecks here. Um, this is probably in the. I I would say this has to be maybe the f- most famous incident in Saturday Night Live musical history, I would think. I can't think of anything that got more press than this. Can you? No. And you know, and you know the old saying, Tony? Any press is good press? This actually destroyed someone's career. Yeah, it totally destroyed her career. She's she's never never rebounded. No, no, no. So back in 1992, I'm sure uh, our listeners can guess, we are talking about Sinead O'Connor. Oh, dear. And... uh, yeah, it's it's hard to even think about because uh, she was singing Bob Marley's uh, tune called War. And uh, in the middle of it, she held up a picture of Pope John Paul II and uh, ripped it up while saying into the camera the word evil. And she ripped up the picture and tossed it at the camera. And nobody knew how to react. I mean, and, it was. And I wasn't. And she didn't. She didn't let people know she was going to do that. No, no, at the rehearsal or anything. She, they had no idea. So it caught everybody off guard. And uh, I was reading uh, earlier tonight that the uh, that in the West Coast feed for Saturday Night Live, they actually replaced that and put in footage from the rehearsal. Seriously? So they did catch it in time before it went out to the West Coast, yeah. Oh, it was but, live here. <laughs> yes. And I mean, that, that was huge news. That that destroyed her career. I don't think she ever was able to recover from that. Well, well, I mean, you're thinking. Think about it. She had that. Nothing compares to you. Written by Prince. Mm-hmm. Massive album, top ten, number one single. It just came to an end, and she's never had another hit since. At least not in North America, anyways. So, yeah. And if you mm-hmm. watch, um, there was a concert that took place. I think a month or two after uh, the Bob Dylan. 30th anniversary tribute concert. She got booed off the stage at Madison Square Garden. Booed off oh, the wow. stage. Yeah. That's a Yeah, that was uh, unbelievable. It was, yeah, watching somebody's career, uh, you know, go down the drain uh, on live television. It was unbelievable. And I don't know. I, I, I guess, you know, and I'm, I'm full disclosure, folks, I'm not Catholic. Yeah. So, you know, for, for non-Catholics, we didn't, I don't want to say I didn't see the significance in it because I did, but I guess it really rattled the, the whole Catholic community, right? Because it mm-hmm. was, it was, it was bad. <laughs> yeah. I, and I think it, it, it rattled everybody just because they were like trying to, or like, what is she saying or what's, what's the point, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's certainly, uh, sh- she's never been the same. So our honorable mention, I'm going to let you talk about this one. This one is bizarre, but we have to do an honorable mention. Was that 2010, right, 2010, Keisha? Keisha. I just, I just want to bring it up because for those of you who have not seen it, it, it's, uh, it is a train wreck. And, 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 and it destroyed her career. She's never recovered from that. She never had another hit after it. She didn't lip sync, that's for sure. But Yeah, was... no, because she was out of tune. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Tony. <laughs> oh, she was more than out of tune. It, I, I mean, it was, I don't know, the, the makeup and the, the lighting. And it just, I think she was trying to be edgy and it failed miserably. I, I'm, I mean, she blamed it on drugs and alcohol. And uh, 
it's just horrible. And it really, here's a, here's an artist that's career is on the incline. She was doing really well. And it just, she's never had another chance at it, but it's a train wreck to watch folks. And I, mm-hmm. I really encourage you if to um, have a good, I don't want to say giggle, but it's up there. <laughs> yeah. That was the, like such a flat performance too. Like she, she looked lifeless up there and uh, she must've been on something. I, I can't, It looks like at one point she's literally going over a list in her head about what she has to do tomorrow in terms of chores. Yes. I'm going to do the laundry and then I'm going to do some grocery shopping. (laughs) Like it was that, it was that blatant. Yeah. It was just horrible. She wasn't there. She was not there. Nope. I have a question. Yes. When they were rehearsing all week, could they not have caught that? (laughs) Like Like you would think, you know, unless before the show, maybe she imbibed or something. I like it was, it was wild. Oh, wow. That's one of the stranger things I've ever seen, you know, because it, it she looked completely disinterested. Meanwhile, like, there's this big show going on around her. Yeah. Like it was just, yeah. Well, let's move to our uh, triumphs because, you know, all in all these 46 years of Saturday Night Live, uh, there have been some incredible uh, performances on there. And I know you were going to talk about... Uh, one that had a little Beatles connection, and this isn't even our Six Degrees of Beatlemania segment know, yet. Saturday Night Live and the Beatles, right? Yeah. So this one, this one was kind of those goosebumps again. Um, as everyone remembers, the shooting at Sandy Hooks in the school, a lot of children, I forget how many, to be honest with you, Tony, but a number of children died as one of the shootings, you know, those mass shootings in the States. Mm-hmm. A few days after, Paul McCartney was supposed to be on Saturday Night Live, and he was. And uh, he ended the show. Um, it's uh, I get choked up. He ended the show by doing "Wonderful Christmas Time" with a choir of small children, mm-hmm. and it was just didn't have to say a word. Didn't have to say this is in tribute. They were all holding candles, and it was just a really significant that you could just you, you could feel it. You could feel the the love and, and the hurt at the same time. So. Uh, McCartney doing wonderful Christmas time. And I know a lot of people hate that song. I happen to love it, but it was, it was um, a beautiful moment and uh, hats off to McCartney because he didn't shy away from what had happened, that, that horrible, horrible situation. So tragedy. And uh, speaking of McCartney, like McCartney three is getting some great reviews, eh? Oh, it's, Actually, yes, Kenneth Womack wrote a very good review for it. Oh, did he? He's a writer, and uh, yeah, we're hoping to get him on the show. We are. That'll be uh, that'll be fantastic. But yeah, I was uh, pretty excited to see that he's getting such good uh, press for that album. You know, so. well, his last album, Egypt Station. If you haven't heard it, I strongly recommend you do. It's a really strong album, and it's and the guy's not a he's not a young man. He's still putting out some very. Anyways, you know I'm a Beatle fan, but yeah, it's getting good reviews and I'm happy to see that and I'm looking forward to it. So so when we were discussing Triumphs, uh, both of us uh, zoned in on this one and we've got a little Canadian connection too. Um, 1989, Neil Young's performance of Rockin' in the Free World is one of those iconic Saturday Night Live performances. I don't even know where to begin. I've seen footage of both the rehearsal and uh, the show. And uh, it's very hard to find footage of the show on YouTube. You can find the rehearsal on YouTube, but the show is on Vimeo and uh, the show appearance. And uh, 
what a performance that was. He, he obviously had something to say and, uh, you know, from his vocals being unbelievable to shredding it on his guitar solos, it was just a, a crazy good performance of that song. And, uh, one of, one of the highlights for sure. I think one of the most iconic performances on that show ever. Yeah. I don't know that people expected that from him either. I think, no, I don't think at that period in his career, people were expecting him to come on and do, do that, you know? Yeah. Like he jumped up and he was jumped up on the, up where the drums were and everything at one point. And I mean, he was just shredding and wild. It was, he was actually showing the grunge how to do it. Yes. Hey, hey, do you want to know how to do grudge? Watch me. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. That that's I think one of my favorite uh, Saturday Night Live performances. Just uh, amazing, and watching Neil go, and uh, he had something to say that night for sure. And um, well, you can't you can't ever count Neil Young out, and that includes up to today. I agree. His his music is, I think he's a genius. And so when he did that, that was, I agree with you, Tony, it was one of the most iconic, most brilliant and unforgettable Saturday Night Live moments. Yeah, for sure. And in fact, we should do at some point, maybe in season four, we should do a 10 things about Neil Young episode because, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, the guy's uh, fantastic. Well, you know what time it is, Aaron? It is time for six degrees of (laughs) Beatlemania. So are you ready to tie this episode to the Beatles. I know we've done it a few times already, but you said you've got something great for me. So I'm going to cue up the music. You ready? (laughs) I'm ready. I'm ready. (laughs) All right, here we go. Okay, Aaron, give me a little six degrees of Beatlemania. So we're going to, we're going to go a bit obscure here, Tony. Okay. Three Beatles actually played on Saturday Night Live. McCartney several times, Ringo once. He actually hosted the show. And Harrison. But I'm going to ignore those for a minute. I'm going to talk about a guy named Neil Innes. Now, Neil Innes was in a band called the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band, but he was also a kind of an auxiliary member of Monty Python. And then 76, um, Eric Idle and Neil Innes came up with something called The Runnels, which was a parody of the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And... Remember, I told you about Sid Bernstein offering the Beatles fifty million, and Michael, you know, the Lauren Michaels offering the Beatles thirty-two hundred. Well, they didn't get the Beatles, but they got the Ruddles. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the Ruddles did two songs. They did a Hard Day's Rut, okay. or I think I'm in love, and Ouch, which should have been Help. And the Neil Linus then sat at the piano, and he did Cheese and Onions. And he did a Lennon. It was it's like a, a parody of Imagine, if you can imagine. So the, Harrison loved the Ruddles, and in fact, when they made the Ruddles into a movie, they used all of Saturday Night Live's cast at the time. So you see John Belushi and Gilda Radner's in it, and and George Harrison, who plays a, a reporter. So I thought I'd go a bit obscure and talk about Neil Innes, the Ruddles, and Saturday Night Live because that's where the Ruddles were introduced to America. <laughs> and as the as a as the lion says, they're a legend to last a lunchtime. And <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> so that's it. The Ruddles on Saturday Night Live, folks. Uh, parody of the Beatles, and a good one it is too. Check out their music; you you'll be surprised how good it is. 
And folks, you can't see me, obviously, but I've got a huge grin here. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's a great one, Aaron. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, that reminds me, at some point we have to talk about that on this show, is that whole fake Beatle band going down to Argentina story. Do you know? <laughs> it's just <laughs> so out there. <laughs> oh, I love those stories. <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to find a way to bring that into an episode because yeah. that was the most out there Beatles story I think I've ever heard. I, I, guess. I, I have to agree. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's some great stories. <laughs> Hell, for sure. Well, folks, uh, that uh, looks like it's going to be the end of our show. And uh, as always, I just wanted to give a shout out. Uh, the music for the show is written by my good friend and musical partner Rick Denis and. Uh, Rick is a fabulous musician, and I'm looking forward to getting back on stage with Rick next Saturday, actually. But uh, when we do our social media posts uh, for this show, uh, we're going to be asking you what your favorite musical episodes from Saturday Night Live are. So feel free to put those in the comments, and we'd love to hear from you, get some good discussion going, because there's so many. Like I said, we could have, uh, you know, we left out a bunch. We had to narrow it down, but uh, we'd love to hear uh, what your favorites are. As always, you know, feel free to subscribe to the show uh, to get the latest uh, episodes automatically. Visit StewieTunes.com for show notes, and uh, every episode is posted on there as well. And uh, we always love hearing from you, so anytime you've got feedback or uh, ratings or reviews, uh, we appreciate that as well. So, until our next show, stay well. Be safe. And see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Stewie Tunes Show. Follow us on social media or visit us online at StewieTunes.com. And if you're enjoying the show, don't forget to click subscribe.